obviously they're not going to live on the streets. They'll cut other expenses. And that'll be like one of the last expenses they cut. Therefore, they're more likely to move into an apartment and rent. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're gonna help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're gonna help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're gonna be allowed to focus on the things that are most important like business growth and operations not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School And Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode. And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, Go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, best of your listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. Each week, we air two Syndication School episodes that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for the majority of these episodes, we offer a free resource. These are free PowerPoint presentation templates, Excel calculator templates, PDF how-to guides, documents that will help you 
along your apartment syndication journey. All of these previous documents as well as previous syndication school episodes are available for free at syndicationschool.com. And in this episode, I'm going to try something a little bit different than what we usually do. Maybe a little bit more speculatory, if that's even a word, than usual. But I was reading some articles about the ways that banks have been adjusting to this new coronavirus world. And I came across some interesting things that I thought would have a future benefit to apartments. So I kind of wanted to run through some of those. And then I'd love to hear anyone's thoughts about what I talk about today. So if you have thoughts, either in agreement or disagreement with me, I would love to know. So you can send those to me at Theo at JoeFairless.com, or you can just message me on Facebook or post something in the Facebook group and tag me in it. And that way, if what you think I'm saying today is absolutely crazy, which I don't think it is, but maybe you do, at the very least, I can know that. And then maybe we can have a follow-up next week or in future weeks about what I'm going to discuss today. But I don't think this is anything too crazy. I think a lot of people will agree with my logic But it all started when I came across an article stating that J.P. Morgan Chase, who is the largest lender by assets in the U.S., as well as the fourth largest lender overall, made two announcements. So the first announcement, I'm recording this on the 22nd of April. This one came out on the 13th of April, so about a week ago. And it says, J.P. Morgan Chase to raise mortgage borrowing standards as economic outlook darkens. And basically the key points from the article is that customers applying for a new mortgage will need a credit score of at least 700 and will be required to make a down payment equal to 20% of the home's value. So I did a little research. Like, okay, well, 700 seems high and 20% is obviously a lot higher than the 3.5 for your typical residential homes. So... I took a look and found out that according to Experian, approximately 58% of Americans have a FICO score of at least 700. And then I also wanted to figure out what the average down payment is for a home, and it is 10%. So obviously average isn't the median, but I think it's safe to assume that the majority of people aren't putting down 20% for their homes, right? Most people are putting down... 5%, 3.5%, and I'm sure the average is 10 because some people are putting down 20%. So J.B. Morgan Chase is basically only allowing people who have a credit score of 700 and the ability to put down 20% to buy a home. So based off of the Experian numbers and the average down payment numbers, potentially vast majority of people can no longer afford to buy a home through J.P. Morgan Chase. Obviously, this is just one bank, but... The assumption would be that if they're doing this to hedge against risks, then other banks will probably follow in suit in the coming months, which obviously it's only been a week, so it's too hard to tell. So that was one interesting thing that I saw. And then secondly, and this is more recent to today, so this is the article that came out within the last few days, and it says that J.P. Morgan Chase temporarily terminates HELOC loan offerings. So home equity line of credits. So not only is it more difficult to get a new loan through J.P. Morgan Chase, but it's also impossible to pull equity out of your existing home 
if you have a loan through J.P. Morgan Chase. Now, again, as I mentioned before, one bank, I understand, but typically, from my understanding, if one bank does something, other banks are more likely to follow in suit. So why am I talking about residential loans? Well, obviously, if residential loans are more difficult to secure, then people who would typically be in the market to buy a new home or need to buy a new home or people who are in the middle of a move or maybe people, once they begin to allow banks to foreclose on people, aren't going to be able to qualify for a new home. And obviously, they're not going to live on the streets. They'll cut other expenses. and That'll be like one of the last expenses they cut. Therefore, they're more likely to move into an apartment and rent because maybe their credit score isn't high enough. Maybe they can't afford the down payment for a new loan. And even if they do have the 20% down payment to pay for a home, and they do have the 700 credit score or higher, because of the surge in home values during the most recent recession, they might not be able to get the quality of home they want and therefore resort to renting a home or renting an apartment of that quality. So it's another interesting observation that I had. So let's say I'm used to living in a $500,000 home and maybe I'll just put down 5%. We'll keep it 5%. So that's $25,000. Well, now if I need to put down 20%, all I have is $25,000. I can really only afford $125,000 home. So I've reduced the amount of house I can buy by 400%. So if I've got $25,000 in cash, maybe something I get per year, spend on a house, that's two grand per month. Would I rather rent for $2,000 per month? Or would I rather put a down payment for a $125,000 house? Another interesting observation. Now, something else that's interesting too is that one of the main benefits of buying a home, especially during the most recent economic expansion, was the insane increases in property values that came from natural appreciation. So I looked it up, and according to Zillow, the average home value increased from 175000 on March 2010 to 248000 in March 2020. So that is an overall increase of 47% or about 4.7% per year. So that means that on average, every single year, my house value grew by 5%. So if I had, again, a $175,000 house in 10 years, that house is now worth $248,000. So 4.7% return per year just by living in your own personal house. It's pretty good returns. However, when the Federal Reserve came out with their March consumer survey, they said they expect home values to only grow by 1.32% this year, which is the lowest reading since the survey began in 2013. So again, not only is it harder to buy a home, but even if I were to scrape together my 20% down payment, one of the main financial benefits of owning a home, which is that increase from natural appreciation, is basically gone, which again, makes renting more attractive. Now, once the coronavirus occurred and people had to shut down their businesses, the number that was floating around for number of people who were out of work was about 16 million. I'm sure it's a lot higher now, but... That's kind of like one of the original numbers. I think it started off as nine and it was 16. So because of this, the number of borrowers on residential mortgages who requested to delay mortgage payments rose by 1900% in the second half of March. So obviously these are types of people that can't pay their mortgages and they're asking for help, which the federal government has done by halting foreclosures. So 
the question is, will foreclosures resume before or after these borrowers are able to secure new employment? Because if it resumes before and these people need to delay their mortgages, but they can no longer delay their mortgages without being foreclosed on, then these people may potentially lose their homes and have to rent as well. So overall, because of this tighter lending criteria, so again, that's the 700 credit score, 20% down payment, just JP Morgan based currently, and also the ability to not be able to pull equity out of your own home anymore, which I guess is another benefit of owning a home is that the equity that is created, you can pull out, which JP Morgan base is not allowing people to do at the moment. So that's the tightening lending criteria. We've also got the lowest projected home value increase since 2013 of 1.32% compared to 4.7% on average the previous 10 years. You've got the massive increase in the mortgage delay requests, which is 1900%. We've got 16 million people, probably way over 60 million people now who had jobs a month ago that no longer have jobs. This indicates that more people are going to be renting as opposed to buying, at least in the next few years. And to end, another interesting statistic from the National Association of Realtors, in March, they announced that they expect home sales to be around 10% lower compared to the historical sales for this time of the year. So in March of previous years, this March is 10% lower. So again, we're already seeing right away that less people are buying homes. Obviously, it means that they might just be staying in their current homes or staying at the renting. But obviously, as more and more people don't have the ability to buy a home, then renting is going to automatically become the default attractive option to these people. So I'd love to know, again, what you guys think. Do you think more people are going to be renting or buying in the next few months and then maybe in the next few years after this is all over? Hopefully, you can let me know either on the Facebook group by tagging me or you can privately message me on Facebook or you can email me at Theo at JoeFairless.com. Until then, make sure you check out some of the other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndication. Make sure you check out those free documents we have on there as well. Those are at syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and We will talk to you tomorrow. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com, and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.